John and I will be discussing in this episode the MCU Disney Plus shows She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Werewolf by Night, and Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. If you have not watched any of these, please be aware that spoilers abound. Also, I am dedicating this episode to the memory of Darren Noel, one of the hosts of the Legion of Substitute Podcasters, who passed away suddenly on Tuesday, February 21st. The world needs more like you, Darren, and I hope you inspired a few to follow in your footsteps. Rest in peace. Hello, welcome back to Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And if you bothered to look at the title of the episode, and actually if you did it, I like you even more because you didn't even care what I was about. You just decided to download and listen anyway. You are awesome. But for those of you who actually wanted to check the title out first, you can see this is our third episode covering the MCU from 2022. Which means you know who's back. Hey, John. John is back. Back again. John is back. Tell a friend. Tell two. Make them download. Download this podcast now. Yes. Yes, don't just stream it. Download it. You want now? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Um, Life has been good. Podcasting has been fun. And I am ready to talk some MCU. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so this is our third one we're uh, covering 2022, and we're going to wrap out the year with the She-Hulk show and Black Panther Wakanda. Oh, sorry, no. Okay, I am blanking now. We've got uh, Werewolf by Night. Yes. And the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. That's right. She-Hulk say Black Werewolf Panther by for Night. next year's review. Yes. Because, yes, okay. That's right. I was supposed to delete that. <laughs> I left that on my form, and I I realized it was it was half cut off because I stopped. De- I started ed- uh, deleting it, and for some reason stopped. <laughs> Actually, Black Panther was a twenty two release, wasn't it? It was in November. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do that next year. Okay. Or did we already do it? I got to go back and check. We might have already done it because I feel like we talked about his kid. Possibly. So. You guys might know better than us. <laughs> or we can just do that entire bit again if you want to. Well, I'll tell you what. Well, let's. If we did it, then we did it. If we didn't do it, that'll be the first thing we do for the next year before Quantumania. Sounds good. Tentatively putting it in there right now. Wakanda forever. Or for sometimes. Yes. For most of the time. But okay. So now that the confusion's over, well, that confusion, I'm sure there'll be more confusion later. Probably. Yes. But right now, let us start off with She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. 
in the 30th century, there are many dangers, among them hostile aliens, mad sorcerers, and guys in funny purple robes. But the worst of all of these would be continuity reboots. Having a problem telling which boy or girl or lad or lass is which? Which karate kid are you actually reading? Or what is the deal with all those legionnaires in Superman's books right now? We can help you with that. So climb into the time bubble with Paul, Darren, Matt, and Scott every Monday for in-depth analysis of the Legion of Superheroes mythos, including retro reviews, current Legion comic chat, and more fun than you can shake a Martian ice cream cone at. Legion of Substitute Podcasters, forged in the present by stories of the future. www.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com uh, this was one of the shows I think was probably most anticipated uh, once they announced it was happening because I mean, She-Hulk is a very beloved character for a very long time. And she has a lot of really cool aspects to her. And her storytelling and her character, people wanted to make sure they got right in the show. And so how do you feel they did? I I think they did a pretty good i mean for the most part with the exception of the first series you know back from 1980 she-hulk has always been a comedy series i mean that's how i was introduced to she-hulk back in the late 80s early 90s in the uh well actually john Byrne started it but at the time i started he wasn't doing it he was off the book uh steve gerber was writing it in fact when i read it it had howard the duck they went into the baloney verse oh so kind of tells you what what I expect. Weird, bizarre stuff. Like baloney. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of what we got. You know, it, I, it made sense. I mean, I will say this. I didn't think th- the first two episodes were decent, but not great. But I felt as the show went on, it got better and better. Every episode I enjoyed more than the last one. I like how they did her origin story. You know, they, they addressed the elements that needed to be addressed but in such a way that it didn't like bog you down. It it, it was it, it fit very nicely into the MCU version of the Hulk. Yes, yes, which we already saw established in the the uh, what's his name Ed Norton movie mm-hmm. when Stan Lee you know drinks that soda. Right. So we already know there's issues of his blood, and we got to see him way more than I had hoped. I mean, I really thought we might see him in the opening episode and like for the origin, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And he was in a, a bit of the series. Not every episode, but... Well, he did happen to go off into space, which does raise questions about how that might be setting up other stories down the road, because who was that spaceship? Yeah, um, if we will find out. I mean, I have could, a theory... Sorry, go on. It could just be a tease. It could just be a completely inconsequential spaceship. My theory of the Hulk is this, because they can't do... A Hulk movie still. Right. You know, they can't do solo adventures. So all we are getting is it's as if you're not reading. You're someone who's reading comics and you're not reading the Hulk, but you keep reading issues that the Hulk guest stars in or team books that the Hulk is temporarily a part of. Mm -hmm. So you're just seeing these bits and pieces. You're not seeing the whole thing because you're not buying the Hulk book. But you're seeing him when he's part of the Avengers. You're seeing him when he's guest starring in She-Hulk. And so, therefore, whatever changes happen in his series is reflected there because they're paying attention to the continuity. But you're not seeing all you're not seeing them happen. And that's what's happening. And that's why I think it's happening here. We're just not getting the whole we're not seeing the Hulk movies. Right. You know, it's as if there are Hulk movies and we just chose not to watch them. So we're just seeing him in whatever he's showing up. 
And I like that. That's a way to do, you know, instead of having the character stay stagnant, things are happening and changing. And I would not be surprised if the version of the Hulk we have now, we don't keep forever. Well, one of the things we did get about the Hulk in this, and of course we're spending all this She-Hulk time talking about the, the male Hulk. Um, one of the things we did get about the Hulk is some insight into what happened to him off screen between films, you know, during the time before his solo film, between his origin and that time, and also between um, his solo film and his time on the Avengers. Yes. You know, he, he was spending time figuring out how to be a person. And even after during the time between the first, second, and third Avengers film, or maybe first, second Avengers film in Ragnarok, when, um, you know, before Hulk became fully integrated, I guess it would be the third of it. The third Avengers film is when we finally see Hulk all integrated. So, yeah, you know, basically every time from before the Incredible Hulk film all the way up to Infinity War, we are wondering what is going on with the Hulk. We get some information about that here as far as you know him spending time you know getting himself into control training learning how to integrate his mind all this other stuff yeah and yes we are talking about the hulk a bit but also to be fair this is the closest we're going to get to a anything hulk Mm -hmm. you know a she hulk thing it's only fair to talk about her cousin for a little bit and then focus back on her but yeah i mean i enjoyed it I, I will admit I'm not too versed on some of the later Hulk She-Hulk series. It's like I have some idea of some of these characters. Like I knew who Pug was, but I will miss I do miss Louise, the blonde phantom. Yeah, I don't know if you know who that is. I don't. She was a 50s Marvel character, and she was brought in by John Byrne into that run and stayed. You know, she stayed basically as, but she was older now. Obviously, she wasn't like Cap. She'd stay young forever. So she was like in her. 60s or 70s at that point and she kind of was like she hulk's partner or assistant or whatever in her law in her law firm and investigations okay and i kind of like i liked her she was a fun character and i i I would not have minded seeing her involved somehow because i mean they did take a lot of she hulk stuff but they only it seemed like they just took stuff from the most recent most recent incarnation exactly the more recent versions and i would not have minded bringing that character back because i did enjoy that character gotcha Plus, that could have been the fun way to do a few, you know, flashbacks showing a character, a hero in the 50s. Or 60s or whatever, since I don't know if 50s will work now. Might be too, you know, might be too long away. We got some really great um, appearances of characters. And the one I want to make sure we talk about, at least briefly, is there was some grumbling about this. Because the way these characters were portrayed was very much a pastiche and not at all the way they were portrayed in the actual comics. But honestly, I kind of dug it, and that is the Wrecking Crew. Yeah. I mean, Because on paper, the Wrecking Crew is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, they did, they did what they do a lot of times in Marvel, which is keep, kind of have it still be what it was, but a different way. I mean... Loki still did cause the formation of the Avengers, just not the same way. Mm-hmm. And the Wrecking Crew is still powered by, you know, has, you know, by Asgardian stuff. Asgardian power, just not in the same way. But I mean, there's so many villains and there's so little time. 
there's really no way to, you know, there's not going to be a way to bring every villain in the way they, they should be, you know, the, you know, or not should be, but the way they originally should, were appeared in the comics. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Even if every character, every Marvel hero gets a trilogy, unless they l- overload it and don't really give, make them no more than background characters that kind of look like that, but that's it. Don't really have any lines. You're not going to see all of these villains. We could do six Fantastic Four movies. How many of their villains are we going to see? Ten? So, you know, right, there's, there's a large landscape of potential characters there. Yeah, not everyone is going to get the treatment that, well, let's go with Hulk stuff. The Abomination got in the Hulk movie. Or Kang's getting now. Or Thanos. But speaking of Abomination, so, you know, they show... Or they they tell us that she's going to have to go talk to him. They do the whole interview thing. And I completely spaced on the fact. It did not even occur to me to think about the fact that we had seen the abomination five minutes ago in Shang-Chi. Yeah. Um, so and they brought that sh- in. They brought that in. They tied that in. I thought rather cleverly. And um, I just, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting to see the abomination show up in Shang-Chi. So, you know, whenever that happens, it was like, Wow. That was an actual thing that happened. Then they tied it in to the uh, the She-Hulk continuity in a really cool way. And he was amusing as hell. He, you could see he was having so much fun. He's like, so you want me to play this guy again? But I don't have to be spend most of my time motion capturing and fighting people. I get to be kind of a bit of a know-it-all life guru type dork. Mm-hmm. Okay, I could do that. Yeah, his portrayal of the new Emil Blonsky was delightful. And it fits in with the She-Hulk series. One thing I do know of the more recent She-Hulk runs, and when I say recent, it could, it, we're still talking like 20 years, is even though he wasn't in the in the series at all, the uh, awesome android mm-hmm. was recast as basically like, what is he, like the male guy or something, I think? Uh, he was basically the... Um... I don't know. He was he was a full on character with a personality. I don't know what he did in the story, but yeah. Oh, that's what I meant. It wasn't that he didn't have a personality, but like he was like their male. I think he was like did the you know internal mail at the office or something like that. You know, yeah. nothing at all like what he had done for the last thirty years fighting the Fantastic Four constantly. You know, so that kind of fits. And I mean, hey, they also besides the record, a lot of them were just more minor D list or even Z list characters. I mean, the Matador. The porcupine. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, so after having done Make Ours Marvel with the porcupine and seeing him showing up in the show, that made me so happy. I, I mean, it also kind of fills in the world a little bit that, like, more things are happening in between than just what we can see. We're seeing, you know, especially at the movies, we're seeing the big things. Right. But we're not seeing the little things. You know, we don't know whether... Iron Man fought the porcupine once in, you know, in in five minutes and beat him. Or if Daredevil beat up the Matador because that was just, you know, two hours on a Saturday Mm -hmm. that we don't see. Mm -hmm. And I'm fine with not seeing everything because there's too much more. There's more of a time frame. It's not like we have 50 ongoing, 50 ongoing monthly comic series. Right. Where we get to see it all. We have, you know, two or three movies a year and, you know, a couple shows. But that's it. We don't have time to, you know, there's not enough time to show everything happening. 
And I'm so fine with there being some of these minor characters like Titana. Titania. We don't know how she got her powers. No. Nope. I don't care. But honestly, that's how Titania was in the comics, wasn't it? She just kind of showed up. No, no, no. I'm thinking of my first encounter with Titania was in Secret Wars, Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. Which, and that's where she got her powers. Oh, she got them there. Okay. Doom gave them to her. She was uh, her. Remember, they brought Remember when Beyonder created Battle World, he uh, took part of Denver. And her and Volcana have been friends and were living there and they were part of that town. So they came. She found Doom was like, I want to be powerful. That's how we got Julia Carpenter, too. She just showed up. Yeah, she, yep, yep. I mean, she didn't have, she already had her powers beforehand, but yeah, she was there, too. In fact, I don't know whether they would use the same character, I mean, the same actor as in S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or they'll use a different one, but I would not mind having, as like a, since Titania seems to be such an important part of the S.H.I.E.L.D. thing, having the Absorbing Man show up. Yes. Yeah, let's have that love story show up in the background. Let's get have them get involved. Have him get restored somehow from whatever fate he had in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, if they're going to acknowledge that or if they're going to use – I mean, like I said, I don't know if we're going to do that or if it's going to be a whole brand new one, you know, brand new actor and ignoring that. I don't know what they were going to do, but I would not mind that because I, I, I like them. You know, they're villains and they do bad things, but they're, they're not good monsters. together. And they're good together and they're fun. So I like the two of them. So I'm fine with – you know, I would like to see him show up in the season two, which I don't know if they've said or not we're getting. I don't know. Oh, and the season finale was perfect for a She-Hulk thing. I'm going to go out there and beat up the editor. I mean, Kevin Feige. Yes. Which has happened before. She's yell- She's argued with the editor. I mean, the She-Hulk series at times, it can be very much, at least that one I read, the Burn one. And, you know, I say Burn. It wasn't always Burn, but he's the one that started it. So it's more known that way. But, I mean, it was very much at times like the Duck-A-Muck cartoon. From Looney Tunes, where, you know, Daffy Duck's arguing with the animator. So I was fine with her going out there and having a word with Kevin. Mm-hmm. Or K-E-V-I-N. You know, that funny. amused me. Very much. And she hooks up with Daredevil. Um, which, you know, our friend Josh Bertoni did some research. Because you would think that two lawyer characters would have interacted more in comics over the years. And Daredevil and She-Hulk have not interacted in the comics over the years, like hardly at all. They're sometimes in the big team-ups in the same room of the big Marvel Universe gatherings, but like they don't actually interact. There are lots of issues where they just both exist in the same issue, but their interactions and their conversations and their relationship for whatever it is, is almost non-existent. That's interesting. I mean, I guess it does make a bit of sense. I mean, you know, just as them as lawyers, unless they're working, since they're both usually not prosecuting. If they're both like more on the defense side, well, they're not really going to be unless they're working for the same company. You know, they're not going to have professional interactions like that. They're not going to meet each other in court because Mm -hmm. you can't have two defenders. You have to have you know one prosecutor, one defender. And considering how bad he is and what every time he tries to, you know, how often Daredevil's identity gets revealed and he keeps saying, nope, that's not me. I know we've, you know, I said it on camera multiple times, but now it's not me. I'm sure if She-Hulk ever tried to talk lore with him, he might have just like ran away going, I don't know anything about the law. I'm not Matt Murdock. (laughs) Daredevil, your mask is off. We can see you're Matt Murdock. No, I'm not. It's not off. You can't see me. 
If I can't see you, you can't see me. <laughs> but Matt, your don't talk about it. You can't see me. And then she just walk away in disgust. And no, they, 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 they smash. It was pretty great. Yeah. No. Hey, it was fun. Plus, you know, it actually is bringing Daredevil in now. Yes, we don't so need so for... that whole re-entry into the MCU with Charlie Cox, yes. which we are all kinds of excited about. Yeah, I mean, because we already saw the Kingpin in Hawkeye, mm-hmm. but we still don't know how much of the previous series, you know, Netflix series, are going to count. And ultimately, might not matter how much counts or doesn't count based on the story that they tell and the way that they tell it. But we are going to get an eight. 18- episode Daredevil story. Yeah. So whatever they choose to do, it's going to be epic and complex and, and dramatic. Exactly. But yeah, no, overall, I enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm. Is it my favorite show? No. But do I hate it? No. It was enjoyable and fun, and I laughed. I laughed quite a bit. Uh, I think the thing that made me laugh the most is when they had to, she had to, uh, was it the one lawyer who thought he was dating Megan the Stallion and they're in court and she basically got him to admit, no, Your Honor, he is this stupid. <laughs> Talk he for a minute. Tell the, show the judge how stupid. Show the honor how stupid you are. <laughs> oh my God, that's brilliant. She gets to defend him, but she's also basically, rip. you know, she gets to rip into him at the same time. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So of I course, would, she has to, like, you know, go humiliation to get her um get her point across, but she does it. Yeah. With some degree of aplomb. <laughs> this is gonna hurt you way more than it hurts me, because I'll enjoy this. So yeah, that was fun. Alright, I guess it's time for some were- for some werewolf stuff. Okay. You- so this one my reactions were a bit of a journey. Okay. Because the trailer, you know, was done. Uh, very retro style. It was it, it acted like old, old beat up film. It very much evoked the Universal horror monsters, all of that stuff. When we get to the actual show, I was kind of expecting a similar vibe, and we don't get it. We get Not exactly. a, yeah, we get a little bit of it, but it's more like sprinkling in for flavor than the tone of the piece. The way I felt like it was done. And you could tell me if you thought differently. But I felt like it was a 40s, 50s, you know, one of those type of horror movies, like you said. But it's done through the lens of like a 70s grindhouse movie. Huh. Talk about what you mean by that. Hmm? Tell more about what you mean by that. Well, like it was that it was like they took that movie and the plot and the plot and the script of one of those older movies but redid it in like one of those 70s grindhouse type movie with like the more, you know, more visceral elements, the more violence, the more blood, more, you know, daring with the sexuality. And also, I mean, I'm not saying they actually did that there, but like that's what would have happened there. And also a little bit more grittiness and with the uh, like more practical effects mm-hmm. that they would have had, even with a lower budget than they would have had, let's say, 30 years earlier. Right. So it still had, and still since it's like that 70s feel, it still had a bit of a retro feel. But it's like they were mixing in the retros. Okay. 
I mean, at least that that was my initial reaction when I watched it. But that's not to say I didn't enjoy it, obviously. Um, it's just a different expected, different tone that I was expecting, a different feel. And that's understandable. Um, and Werewolf by Night did not have any werewolf for like the first half, not even any hint of where they were going to go with all werewolf. They were hunting a monster, but you figured they weren't hunting the werewolf because we kept spending a lot of time on the one guy. And then we find out they're hunting man thing. Excuse me, they're hunting Ted. Yes. <laughs> which I'm waiting for. I am waiting for the special giant size Ted number one. <laughs> I, that was the one big change. That's funny. I didn't see anyone complaining about the fact that Ted talks. Because, I mean, the one big thing about the man thing is that he that makes him different from Swamp Thing is that he has no mind normally. You know, he is literally just a walking vegetable. And here, well, obviously, Ted does have some intelligence. Mm-hmm. But I did like their interactions together, so I was fine with it. I'm sure it does have some. Yeah. I did like them together. You know, like them together at the very end with the coffee. That was mm-hmm. I, I, The one thing I was disappointed with, and it, again, this is a more of a me thing, Kind of like what you were saying a bit about how, like, you know, you you thought it was going to be one thing was another. I didn't realize that was going to be Ulysses Bloodstone's corpse. The way it looked, I thought that was going to be the Frankenstein monster. Oh. When I saw, like, the the trailer and the bits of it, I thought that was Frankenstein. How do you feel and, about it not being Frankenstein? I mean, the fact that it made Ulysses Bloodstone made sense and was cool. Because... Mm-hmm. And of course, we've said this dozens of times about Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But who the hell ever thought we would ever see Ulysses Bloodstone in anything live action? Right. I mean, how that would ne- that was never going to happen. Ever. Until it did. And now it did. I mean, granted, he's not in a movie, but it was not like this is some rinky-dink. You know, this is still a better quality than, let's say. The uh, David Hasselhoff Nick Fury TV movie, right? So I was I was still shocked, but I would like Frank. I I just was hoping for Frankenstein. I like Frankenstein a lot, so I would not have minded seeing him. But what they it made you know it worked with what they did because we also got Elsa Bloodstone, which she's a much more recent character. Yes, I think she first appeared in Next Wave or somewhere around there. That's where I first know her from. I am not a hundred percent certain if that's where she first appeared. But that's where I first saw her. But that's still only, what, this century? Mm-hmm. So she's like less than 25 years old. Let's see, Elsa Bloodstone. Uh, oh, no, she first, that's right. No, she first appeared in Marvel's Bloodstone miniseries of 2001, written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. Okay, I've not read that. That's right. I think I read part of that, at least. And then I think she appeared after that was... Uh, And then next appeared in Next Wave. Yeah, because I think that's right. Because That's right, they said, because he said the only original character in Next Wave was the Captain character. Everyone else was an ex- pre-existing. Gotcha. But yeah, I, I liked seeing him. That was, fu- that was fun. And I mean, they definitely did some, you know, horror-type elements. I mean, when she's locked in the cage with him, you know, you really weren't sure whether he was going to kill her or not still. Yeah, it was very, very uncertain. 
And they definitely do some, oh, that's what I was going to say. Like, that's one of the things that made me think of the 70s. Like, when the older woman gets her arm ripped off and, like, the camera freezes on that. Mm-hmm. That's very much like one of the things they would do. Like that's like a that's very much like a seventies thing. That's why you'll see it time in times in like Quentin Tarantino movies, because he's copying that aesthetic from the seventies. Right. You know, like the camera like will freeze on her and like show up. Like you'll see her screaming and maybe like the, there'll be like extra changes to the color. You know, that's something you would see in those seventies grindhouse movies. Or maybe they, you know, didn't have the money or the time to do show the act whole thing, whole gore and horror of what's happening. So we're just kind of do it this way to still get as close as possible because, you know, we don't have the money for it. Mm-hmm. But it, it was nice. Also, I mean, we really haven't delved except for the Doctor Strange movie. We really haven't delved too much in like to the mystical and like the horror side of Marvel. And there's a lot of that. There really is. I was thinking about it whenever it was on because, you know, they showed. I think the first thing we saw was a book that the Bloodstone was attached to or whatever. And I don't know if we we're going to do like more dark hold type stuff, you know, related to uh, Scarlet Witch. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of Marvel horror that has nothing to do with that. And so just getting to explore some of those things and put them on screen uh, was good. And Werewolf by Night is one of the premier Marvel titles from the Bronze Age that wasn't two of Dracula. Yeah. And I don't know if Marvel can do Dracula on, t- on, on movies. I mean, they probably could. I don't think he's not in. He's in public domain, so anyone could do Dracula, as far as I know. Right. Whether it's they a, choose to is a different story. Whether they could get away with it too, you know, it's not not legally, obviously, but like creatively, can they? If they think they much, could, yeah. Is it too much of a buy-in for the for the viewer? Yeah. But I mean, we really haven't seen. I mean, all the you know the only horror we've seen in the actual MCU, not talk, not counting Shield, because Shield did do a season that involved the Darkhold. Hmm. But if we're not counting that, if we're just counting the ones that are official MCU, we have two Doctor Strange movies, this and, you know, Blade's one, you know, one minute, you know, verbal cameo at the end of Eternals. So I thought this was a pretty good introduction to the wider, you know, continuing on. We've had a Doctor Strange and, well, I guess Wanda a bit as well, into the whole magical, mystical side of the MCU. Yeah, pretty exciting. Which is pretty cool. I like that. And it would make sense if it was the Darkhold, though, because the Darkhold is connected to the werewolf. That's where the werewolf curse started from in Marvel. Okay, okay. Or at least, let me correct myself because I don't know if I'm wrong or not. It's at least where Jack Russell's curse and his family's curse started. Whether that's it's all werewolves or just his bloodline's curse, I don't know. But his is directly result, directly comes from the Darkhold. And it's still so sad that it took me up until like just a few years ago to real to get the joke of his name. Whose name? Jack Russell. Oh, because he's a I Russell did. Terrier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, I'm dense. Well, you know, we can't all be First Baptist. Um, I, I. I it's that feeling of like I really should have put that two and two together myself, but now that I've seen it, it's like oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. But yeah, I'm. I would not mind if we don't do movies, but if we like every year we got like one or two like horror type specials. If they want to mm-hmm. do their horror characters this way instead of making like a whole section of movies about them, you know, if you want to guess them in Doctor Strange, that's one thing. 
But otherwise, if you just want to do, you know, a Man Thing special or a Werewolf special or even like a Ghost Rider or a Damon Hellstorm or something, right? I would I would not mind that because that was that was a fun thing to do, especially around Halloween. We did have a Hellstrom series. Yes, but it's again, right it's before the uh, the blanket got pulled out from underneath all the the various networks of TV that were tying into the MCU. So where it stands going forward creatively is a question. Exactly. But I personally am taking the stance that all of that stuff that they did still counts until they say it doesn't. Until it and does. I, exactly. And I, I say it doesn't, I mean, because the, the story that they give us directly contradicts it. Yeah, or we see different, yeah. Exactly. Up, up until we see somebody else playing Damon Hellstorm and, you know, a completely different take on him that has nothing to do with that other one whatsoever. Yeah. And so we see him. That that that's the David Hellstrom from MCU, because we have no reason not to believe it. We'll see. We will see. In all his decades of publishing history, one event has affected Superman more than any other. Worlds lived, worlds died, and that was only the beginning. Superman was never the same. Presenting Superman in Crisis. Available weekly from January 3rd, 2022 at com. All right. I guess we're up to... Oh, Guardians Holiday Special. Yes. So, um... Oh, God. I was, was not favorite. prepared to be crying about Guardians of the Galaxy today, but that's where I was. Oh, what got you? Multiple things actually had me choking up briefly. I think it was whenever they, whenever um, Kevin Bacon agreed to go back, like whenever Craglin is saying, you know. Something about we did all this, you know, so that you could make Christmas happen. However, was it was phrased? I was just like, oh my gosh, that's no, no, no. That was also just a brief choke up. What got me? What actually made the tears spill was the "you're my sister" moment. Oh yes. Up until that, it was just um, hints of tears to come. That was that was the moment. That's How about right. you? Did you did you have any problem? Any reactions with it? Mostly laughter, but yeah, there were it, there definitely did have some you know choke moments. Oh yeah, it's funny as hell. It's lots and lots of laughter. I just also you know got emotional because I do that. Yeah, no, it, it there was some emotional stuff. Emotional stuff. I mean, the fact that everyone got together and did the lights for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just Drax and Mantis doing something stupid together. Although here for it. Yeah, exactly, and I I like the two of them as. I don't. I'm not saying they have to get involved, but I like the two of them as a pair. They're fun together, as friends at least. You know, they're amusing. Yes. Because she's not always as much much smarter than him as she thinks she is. Right. I mean, she generally is smarter than him. That's also a low bar. Yeah, exactly. It's a very low bar. You're just kind of like barely stepping over it. You know, but she's not as 
she she's not she thinks she's much higher than she is above him and she's not as high as she thinks she is so that provides such amusement for the two of them mm-hmm. and while i would not have minded seeing more of the other guardians i was fine with it mostly being a mantis drac special yeah well the um the other guardians are peter quill and it's about him rocket raccoon who's cgi so they're trying to reduce that and Groot, who's a man in a suit this time out. So they're trying to reduce that as well. Yeah. And Nebula. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have a logistical reason why they didn't use her as much. But they didn't use her as much. And the most important Guardian, my favorite, Cosmo. Cosmo, who had a voice this time. Yes. Cosmo doesn't just bark. Cosmo gets to speak. Played by was it Maria Bakalova? But yeah, yeah, no, that was that was very sweet. That was a fun holiday thing. It, <laughs> I love after all the th- comments that he makes about uh, Kevin Bacon over the movies that they've thought. Well, let's get this Kevin Bacon guy. I was not expecting the hate for actors. That was funny. I don't know what like inspired that line, but that was a funny bit. That they pulled out a few times. Yeah, like, oh, God, he's an actor. Oh, I'm going to be sick. We hate actors. Filthy, stinking actor. You should be Kevin Bacon, but he would be if you didn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> so Kevin Bacon had the easiest of all the people, like, you know, the more, you know, people who already were super famous to get to be in here, like, you know, uh, Kurt Russell or was it Paul Newman, who was in Winter Soldier? Mm-hmm. They don't have to do other characters. They don't have to do these big fight scenes or like be, you know, hours of makeup or whatever, CGI. He's like, so I'm playing Kevin Bacon. I could do that. (laughs) I have practice with that one. And he's not just Kevin. He's Kevin Bacon the entire time. Every time someone says his name, it's Kevin Bacon. It's like a version of the Tony Danza thing, where he's always playing a character named Tony. Yes. And I was very... I, I, I don't know whose idea it was. I, I did like the fact that when Kevin's at home by himself relaxing, he's watching Santa Claus versus the Martians. <laughs> That's what Kevin Bacon does. Oh, like, it makes, call- me like, makes me like him a bit more now. <laughs> no, I'm calling him Kevin Bacon. It's a nice little... Bridge things since it's been a while, you know, we haven't seen, we're going to, and it was going to be a little few more months before we had the Guardians. We saw them, you know, they were in Endgame. And then, you know, we don't see them for a little bit. And then we see them a bit in the beginning of Thor. Right. But that's it. So it kind of gives us an idea of what's going on with them. Yeah, just where they are as they're living their life, doing their Guardians things. Which, honestly, with the story of the MCU, there are a lot of spaces of time for characters where we just don't see what's going on. They're just living their life, being their characters, and we have no idea, as opposed to comics, where it almost feels like we see every single day of their lives. Exactly. That's what I was saying about in the She-Hulk thing. Like, we could have these minor villains show up because maybe they existed already. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know who Spider-Man is fight, fights in between these movies. You know, the movies are just doing the big mega crossovers or the right. big mega events, even if it's just – I mean, when I say events, I'm not just talking about, like, the crossover events, but, like, the events in their books. You know, we're not seeing the one issue stories. 
but yeah, I, I did some reading up on on the show. Apparently, they were filming this concurrently with Guardians Three, and it okay. was apparently there's such heavy stuff in Guardians Three that like this was used for by the cast and crew as like a palate cleanser. Oh wow! It's like okay, this is getting heavy. We let's do some more holiday special because we 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 need to cheer up. <laughs> Which is good. I mean, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But I, I kind of like that idea that like. It wasn't just for us; it was for them too. It makes you wonder why they. Well, I guess it's part of the movie. Maybe that's why we have no Gamora. They did mention her. Yes, we know she left. We don't know where she is or what's going on with her right now. Yeah, which I was surprised by because I cut. I mean, she doesn't remember them, but she knows Nebula. So I figured, you know, there's one person in the universe she kind of knows now. You think she kind of hang out with that person? You would think, but no. And yeah, there's changes, obviously, to things. I mean, from comics to shows. I mean, Mantis and uh, Peter Quill are have no relation whatsoever normally. Mm-hmm. But consider the fact the way they introduced her, it kind of made sense that, yeah, maybe the reason why Ego has her around is because he's one of his, and he has use for her. Which is why she's not part of that big pile of bones that we saw in Guardians 2. I guess that brings us to the end of the year. Yeah, 2022 is over. Um, what are you looking forward to this year? I am definitely looking forward to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh-huh. As of this recording, the movie just came out. Yesterday, in fact. I will be, I am planning on seeing it next Friday. It is going to be playing at the drive, is playing at the drive-in by me, and I am off on Friday, so I'm going to go Friday evening and see it. My girlfriend works weekends, so we'll probably see on a weekday night. I'm hoping for Monday night this week. Awesome. But yeah, I am definitely looking forward to that. Because I'm looking forward to see what they do with Kang. Especially because Ant-Man Kang just sounds so interesting. Yeah, that's not a pairing I would have predicted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah, I like because they can do some some of those weird pairings work, especially with like depending on the actors. I mean, I'm just I'm catching up on like. Well, I'm not catching up. I'm behind a lot of listening of podcasts, and I'm just listening to an episode of Is It Jaws? Mm-hmm. And the one, if you know that show? Yeah. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, it is a movie review podcast by Paul Spataro that is on the Two True, Freaks, Two True Freaks Network, where they basically rank movies on the Jaws scale. Jaws, Jaws 2, Jaws 3, and Jaws 4. Where does it fall? And I didn't realize this was going to be the next episode I got to when I downloaded it, but it's the Avengers Endgame episode where one of the two guest hosts was me. Oh. It was me and uh, Blaine. Fun. And one of the things I, I just heard myself talk about was how I enjoyed the bizarre mix-up, you know, bizarre pairing of the Hulk and the Ancient One. <laughs> but that yeah. was fun. Like, And that's not something you think would, ha- you know, you, you think about. You don't think about all the great Hulk, Ancient One team-up stories. No, you really don't. Because I don't even know if they've ever met each other. I don't know if they know each other exists. But there we, you know, we had it. And now we're getting Ant-Man and Kang. You know, and not just Ant-Man as part of the Avengers in the team, but just Ant-Man himself. Mm-hmm. And apparently, from what I've heard from some people talk about, there's a quite a bit with uh, Janet. Janet gets quite a bit to do. Oh, good. Good, good. So I'm excited for that. And, of course, it goes without saying, I am very excited for Guardians 3 because, you know, a certain Adam Warlock character is showing up. 
Right. And I'm looking forward to that immensely. And beyond that, I'm trying to remember what else we have coming out this year. It's such a mix. I said it's like I hear the whole thing of like I remember we talked about the whole thing of what they announced, and I can't really remember what's this year and next year and the year after. But what about you? I should have pulled the list out while you were talking, so I would know. Yeah, one of us could have done that. <laughs> MCU schedule 2023. So we have Ant Man and the Wasp, which of course we're going to see this week. Secret Invasion sometime this spring. Oh, that's right. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in May. The Marvels just released a poster. It's coming out in July. Loki Season 2. Ironheart. I'm just reading names here. Um, I want to see more items that took me to an article instead. That's annoying. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely Loki, because I really enjoyed Loki. Mm-hmm. Season one, so I'm looking forward to season two, or as you said before, season one point two, more or less, or one point five. Echo, Agatha, and the Marvels are all slated for 2023. Uh, that would presume that they have been filming those shows, which I have not heard anything about casting or anything for those TV shows. Um, we're supposed to also get a uh, second season of What If this this year, but I don't know if that's happening. So of all of those things, if they're all, all still happening, which ones am I looking forward to the most? Um, I would have to say, oh, gosh. Gosh, gosh, gosh. The Marvels, Secret Invasion, and Loki Season 2. I mean, yeah, I no, want I- to see Kang in the Ant-Man movie, but I'm looking forward to that as an ant-man movie which means while i'm looking i'm thinking i'll be entertained it's not super high on my list of anticipation okay i can see that and yeah definitely loki ironheart i'm it's weird like ironheart's not one of the ones if you ask me like on characters i like like who i'm excited to see ironheart would be low on the list just because i don't really know much about i haven't really read much ironheart and beyond her appearance in the second black panther movie that's probably the most I know of her. You know, I really have read much stuff that she's in. So, but I'm curious to see how, what they, like, how she fits in with the MCU and what we do with her. So, in the one regard, I'm like, ah, that's fine. And on the other hand, I'm like, I'm really curious to see what we do. Because she's such an unknown quantity to me. Mm-hmm. But definitely, Lo- yeah, Loki season two, because I really enjoyed Loki. I mean, come on, we got alligator Loki in the first, ha- in the first season. Mm-hmm. And just a reminder that this was this was originally conceived as the second half of season one, mm-hmm. but COVID cut season one short. So I guess Loki was going to have a longer series, like they like Daredevil is, because mm-hmm. otherwise, I mean, he was it was only like what eight episodes or something. Yeah, so sixteen episodes is definitely a longer season. Yeah, because I think otherwise, WandaVision is the longest so far of like what nine episodes. Yeah, because we haven't done thirteen since the um, since the Netflix stuff. Yeah, yeah. All the shows they've done on Disney Plus have been shorter. I mean, Hawkeye was only what six episodes. No, okay, cool. Yeah, there's some cool stuff coming out this year. It's now time for our feedback, and this time we are talking about feedback from episode one sixty nine, Eon Likes Blondes, with Grant Richter and Ren Chandler. 
On Facebook, the posts about this episode got likes and shares from Joe Sedano, Alan Williams, Bill Bear, Ray Ray Pod, Jesse Starcher, Chris Armstrong, Julie Warren, Ruben McNeil, Justin Cobble, and Clinton Robinson. On Twitter, it got likes and retweets from Jason Snick Venable, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Doc Strange, Viet Win, Capes and Lunatics Podcast Network, Chris Lydon, The Daily Rios, Truth, Justice, and Hope, Anti-Wife Equation, The Hammer Strikes, Random Geeky Stuff, Into the Night, Jeffrey Brown slash Julia Raoul, and Jason R. Lady Author. Now, if you want to hear more from me, you can hear me pretty much every week on the L-E-G-I-O-N P-O-D cast. On that show, we talk about the late 80s, early 90s DC Comics sci-fi series Legion. That is the one with the acronym and Viral Docs and Lobo, not Legion of Superheroes. You can find that on the Legion of Sub-Sue podcasters feed. Links will be in the show notes. Also, I did guest star in the last few weeks on another podcast. If you go to the Magazines and Monsters feed and look up the Bronze Age of Horror episodes, you can find me guest starring with Billy talking about Werewolf by Night 8 and 9 and Marvel Team-Up number 12. So if you are looking for some Bronze Age horror action from Marvel, there you go. All right. You have comments about the stuff we said in this episode, or you just want to hear your name said here, which I understand. This is how you do it. Send me an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. Like and share the posts on Facebook. In Facebook, just go to the search box, type in Adam Warlock or Thanos, will pop up. On Tumblr, we have a Tumblr page. And you know what? I checked. No one liked the posts about the episode. If they did, they would have heard their name said here already. Why don't you be that person? Resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. And of course, Twitter at AdamThanosPod. This show is part of The Collective. The Collective was started by a few like-minded podcasters who wanted to network in the most traditional sense. It has become a repository for ideas, crossovers, and potential guest appearances. And you are going to hear a promo from one of the other Collective shows right now. Hey there! Do you like comic books? Do you like superhero TV and movies? Well, come on over and check out the Capes and Lunatics podcast. We have such shows as Capes and Lunatics and Super Connectivity, where we cover everything new and current and popular in the world of superheroes. And we also have episode-by-episode reviews of the Marvel Netflix shows and a monthly discussion of everything current on the DC Comics character Nightwing and a few other surprises all the time. So come join us for the Capes and Lunatics podcast. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, John, tell people what to do, what to do to find more from you. If you get one of those really large coffee table books, Where's Waldo? I'm usually the guy hiding inside the barbershop getting his beard trimmed. Um, but beyond that, you can find me at johnreadscomics.com or on Twitter at johnreadscomics. There is no H in beard trimmed. And, uh, yeah, all my podcasts are there. Superman in Crisis comes out every week. Mostly every week, talking about the Superman adventures from the end of his pre-crisis incarnation. We are currently in the uh, the handful of months between the crisis crossover has already finished, but the continuity has not yet wrapped. So we are seeing what Superman did before he got to whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, which is coming this June, 2023. So you definitely want to be listening and ready and caught up for that. 
for the end of all of Pre-Crisis Superman and my first time reading reactions to the story. So I'd never read it before. Hold on, hold on. Almost found you. Almost found you. Oh, there you are. Okay, found you. Yeah, see, I told you. You're right. All right. You said stuff, right? Because I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, Superman in Crisis. Go check out the podcast. John reads comments. Go check out the Twitter and the website. There we go. Okay, I'll, I'll put links in the show notes. I'm sure he said stuff. I did say stuff in English, even. Oh, wow, good. All right, well, that's so that's our thoughts on this, on the Marvel Universe sorry, MCU for 2022. Uh, why don't you guys write in and tell us what you thought? What did you like the most or not like the most? And what are you looking forward to in 2023? I want to hear. Resurrections Podcast at Yahoo.com. Tell us. And that's it. And we'll be back in another two weeks-ish with another episode of, I don't know, something. Something. I have no idea. All right, that's it. Bye. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.